0: This is the Pulse of New Hampshire. I am j Dog, and this is another edition of Northeast Delta Dental Radio, and it is hosted by a man who is a true Renaissance man. He is a swell dresser. He is a baseball awards presenter. He is a lovely skier. He also is a doting grandfather, Steve Ballmer's roommate at Harvard, believe it or not. He is a loving husband, a fantastic father, and Eddie Papowski's number one one fan. He is the president and CEO of Northeast Delta Dental and the host of Northeast Delta Dental Radio. He is Tom Raffio. Tom, how are you?
1: Thanks, Jay. And again, need to take you everywhere I go. And the only thing you fail to mention that is that I have the longest running show on The Pulse with the same host that has curly hair. With all of those parameters, I'm the Lou Gehrig of, of Binnie Media. What do
0: you think? The luckiest man in the world. (laughs) (laughs) Love that movie, even the uh, way they did the echoes. Yep.
1: I consider myself, consider myself. But you also didn't know this, but I love data. Uh, One of the reasons why uh, we got the Medicaid contract is that uh, we kind of figured out how it all came together. So that is a great segue um, to introduce my guest, Dr. Julie Alec who is the founder and CEO of JL, JLA Analytics. And Julie and I go way back informally. Um, Julie serves uh, clients both nationally and internationally, but is right here in Manchester. Julie, thank you for joining me. I always enjoy talking with you because um, I think everything these days is you know, big data and metrics, but I think uh, there are certainly different uses and misuses of it. So thank you for joining me.
2: It's my pleasure, Tom. Always love com- having a conversation with you. I know
1: that's the thing. And this radio show, you'll you'll find basically it's like you and I, you know, sitting uh, at a, in a on a conference room or on a couch, just kind of uh, chatting. Before we start, I do want to give a big shout out to my last week's guest, Jim Schechter, who is the uh, New Hampshire Public Radio president and CEO, and he also has a very interesting background because. Before he took over as the leader of NHPR, he was actually a reporter and had a lot of hands on experience. And of course, Julian, you probably some of your clients are media folks. But uh, obviously, you know, radio and uh, newspapers have had to do a certain amount of pivoting in today's world where everybody can do a podcast and mm-hmm. et cetera. So why don't you just uh, I think it's important because I get this feedback from my listening audience. People want to know more about the guests. So so take your time and tell us um, about your background and how it led you to um, helping business owners use their data and anal- analytic tools. But tell us about your entire background.
2: Sure. So um, Lowe's so many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> four, um,
1: four, you're not going to do an Abraham Lincoln <laughs> thing, are you? No, okay, no.
2: No, I, you're, you're right. I live here in Manchester, New Hampshire with my husband, uh, Dante Scala, who's a politics professor over at UNH. We have two teenage children and we've lived here for about 20 years. I grew up in Cincinnati, did my undergraduate in New York City at Columbia, did my doctorate at the University of Chicago. And uh, that's where things started getting interesting in terms of my uh, analytics journey. I got my doctorate in political science, and a lot of people think about political science as the side that my husband does, right? So elections, the New Hampshire primary, Congress, the presidential politics, and all I was doing a different side of political science. I was doing a much more quantitative side, doing a lot more statistics, things like that. And um, I was over in Germany finishing up my uh, field research for my dissertation when I realized I don't want to be a professor. (laughs) And so, yeah. And so that got me thinking about, well, okay, if I don't want to be a professor, which I'm training to do, what do I want to do? And, you know, I really, really wanted to be able to take all of the the data science that I was learning and apply it. And at that time, and and still right now, I feel very, very strongly about higher education and making it accessible to everyone, not necessarily necessarily. If you're only 18, not necessarily not necessarily get a get a PhD, maybe certificates or training or whatever. But I thought, okay, well, I can use my skills and work in higher education, but not as a professor on the administrative side. And so that's what I did for about 20 years and I worked on um, figuring out, using data, how to, improve access to higher education for all types of students, how to help them fund higher education uh, without going into terrible amounts of debt, um, how to help them graduate and be successful. And yeah, so I did all kinds of projections and surveys and all kinds of fun stuff. Um, But then Several years ago, I started thinking, you know what, it's not just higher ed institutions that really can benefit from understanding their data, really looking at it. And that's when I took a step back. I hung out my shingle, started my firm, JLA Analytics, and I work with organizations and nonprofits to show them how it Doesn't have to be rocket science. Sometimes, with some of my clients, it is, sure. And that's certainly real fun, but uh, it doesn't have to be. And there is so much in your data that can help you to make decisions, but make that impact that your firm, your nonprofit has a mission to do. So I'll stop there and see see what you have to say
1: yeah so the website is jlaanalytics.com and uh right. well you there was uh, a lot there and i love uh, your background in higher education of course you were actually a precursor to you know what you know we all know now it's not necessarily about getting the four-year degree or getting your master's it's getting a certificate is great of course that right. uh, you know the uh mantra that we had 65 by 25 by the year 2025, we wanted 65% of the adult population um, in New Hampshire to have one of those certificates or, or degrees. We're not quite there. So you were like, a, you were a precursor to that. And and, and now of course, you're, you're branched off, um, as your website says, to all these other, you know, type clients, including nonprofits who I assume you know, definitely, uh, you know, need need your help because that's a competitive world in terms of uh, in terms of fundraising. So you've taught courses at corporations, including Delta. Can you tell us how how that works? So you you can have a client relationship, you know, with with a corporation, but you'll but you'll also um, demystify numbers for uh, doing you know doing some. Tr- um, training and coursework for for uh for corporations as well
2: that's right yeah so sometimes a client wants someone not just to come in and provide an answer right figure out a problem but they also want to make sure that going forward that they don't have to keep relying on someone from the outside to come in and provide those answers they really want to start building up that what you might call like a data literacy right among the people in the organization and not just the people where you you might think that normally they'll be in it or maybe over in finance but across the organization so for example i did a um i offered my data analytics for leaders to Northeast Delta Dental as part of um, NHTI's uh, professional development. And so that certificate, we deliberately talked about analytics for leaders with the understanding that you don't have to have a title to be a leader. And so we were raising the awareness among people in marketing, in sales, in customer solutions. Um, all across the organization that there's so much data that's infused in already. And are you making use of it? And how can you make use of it? Even if you don't have a degree in something like this, you don't need to. It's all about asking questions, creating that culture that allows you to ask questions, and then answering them using numbers Numbers is one tool, and um, I think you and I have talked about something as straightforward as counts, simply counting can be really powerful.
1: Absolutely. You know, it, uh, the course definitely helped. And as you know, we're a Northeast Health Dental's Baldrige based organization, and we applied recently for the national award. It was a huge, rigorous process. Unfortunately, the government. We went through it all the government pulled the program so we did get feedback but it it, they pulled the plug on the program for a year uh for totally unrelated to delta but definitely as a result of your course and just kind of the overall emphasis on data analytics the the feedback was really positive in terms of the use our use of metrics versus when we had applied you know several years ago and i think the point is well taken no different than um, we don't we don't we don't need all CPAs on our leadership team, but you need to be able to read a balance sheet, you know, as a you know simple mm-hmm. example. Jay, I know you could read a balance sheet.
0: You've told me. I, 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 yeah, I, I do my best, and it's funny. Well, but if you're, before Steve we take Julie break... after class for some help. <laughs> <laughs> before we take the break, Tom, I know you and I—we're not big on baseball analytics. We're right. good on analytics, just not okay. baseball analytics. We're we're kind of traditionalists and purists in we that. Like, sense.
1: Yeah, basic statistics.
0: Right, right. Whereas this matters, though. This matters. What Doctor Julie Ailig is, is doing.
1: J. He might have helped. She might have helped Dante count the number of votes it took to get elect uh, Kevin McCarthy.
0: You know,
2: But separately, I don't know. We'll,
1: we'll get Dante on the show.
0: That might be a stretch, <laughs> because no one was able to really do that towards, you know, it had to be 15 votes. You know what I mean? It just, it was just, wow. It just what's the mm-hmm. definition of insanity doing the same thing over and over again? Yeah, and know. I guess that's, well, that's, that's why we needed watching. a combination of Julie and Dante on that. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to take the break dr julie Alig of jlaanalytics.com is this week's guest on northeast delta dental radio we'll return after these messages here on the pulse of new hampshire this is the pulse of new hampshire i am j-dog alongside tom raffio uh, president and ceo of northeast delta dental and host of northeast delta dental radio and the guest this week is dr julie Ailig. Jlaanalytics.com. again, JLAanalytics.com is the website and they're having a fantastic discussion, not just on analytics, but the process on how it all works in business and in life. Go ahead, Tom. So Dr. Julie, we, we started to
1: get into how to develop <laughs> um, the leadership team in companies to be more, you know, data driven. We used to have an expression um, when I was a Baldridge examiner and training and and God, we trust everybody else bring data. So I'm so <laughs> kind of a precursor to all your work as well. So so um, I'm guessing you're going to say you've got to make sure leadership's on board. But then, of course, you need this at the uh, the grassroots level. So how do you kind of you know, uh, inculcate that within the, obviously, you can model the behavior. Like when, when a, an employee brings you a recommendation, you can in a nice way, give them, you know, continuous improvement feedback. Hey, we need some more data here. So there's that sort of mentoring part of it. But how do you bring the sort of the culture uh, of the company to be more data driven?
2: Yeah. You know, I was thinking about a lot of it does come down to leadership, like you mentioned. And I go back quite often to Jim Collins, who wrote Good to Great, And he gives an anecdote early on about Sir Winston Churchill during World War II. And he created a brand new office, this statistical office that was going to give him all kinds of numbers and data. And yay, that's great. I love being able to say, you know, Churchill supports data. The important thing though, Well, not that that isn't important. The even more interesting thing is that he created this. Remember, he was in a military organization. He took the statistical office and he placed it in the org chart outside of the rest of the org chart so that it was standalone and it reported only to him. And what their mission was, their mandate was, was to give him the unvarnished facts, and he would say things about, you know, I can sleep at night knowing that I have the facts. I don't have dreams. I don't have thoughts. That's one way of modeling, of, of showing that, you know, the numbers matter and the leader is going to support them. And the leader wants to hear them whether or not they're positive or negative. I think that so much around data is tied up, not just with leadership, but also with culture in an organization. And I think it's really incumbent upon the the leaders to make sure that they are creating a culture where the run of the mill people, the regular employees can ask those questions. And maybe they're wrong also, and maybe they're going to be giving data, giving insights that aren't popular, but understanding that only by doing that and looking at the brutal facts are we going to get better.
1: So it's the culture, it's it's, it's senior leaders being receptive when when someone is giving you the, the facts that uh, you may not want to see, but they're the you know, the effects. What do you do? And I used to face this a little bit when I was on the State Board of Education where um, we would, you know, someone, parents would say, well, I was never never good at math, so don't worry about (laughs) it. They used to say, like, oh, my God, don't say that to your children because that's (laughs) the equivalent of saying, well, I didn't read, so you don't have to worry about reading because, obviously, you know, math, analytics is the language of business. Um, so I'm sure you've encountered situations when someone said, you know, I'm not a numbers person, so I really, you know, I can't use your tool. So how do yep. you, once you take a deep breath, how do you respond to that?
2: <laughs> okay, so for this one, I'm going to give you a bit of a metaphor here. Okay. Um, I just recently started nature journaling. And I go on walks over at Lake Massabesic, which is over, I know, it's beautiful there on the east side of Manchester. And um, I love looking at the birds and the ponds and the lake itself and the trees and all. And I always wanted to nature journal. And I never did because I had in my head that I'm not an artist, And there were, you know, I kind of had a couple of times when I tried, especially during the pandemic, and I'd give it a try and it just would not look anything like what I see some of the people in like Facebook groups or something doing. Then I stumbled across this guy on YouTube, John Mirror Laws, and he's a nature journalist and he teaches. And he said, okay, this is how you start. You start by asking, I notice, I wonder, and this reminds me of. And so with those three questions, all of a sudden, everything I was seeing at Lake Massabesic, right, all of the details and the birds and the frogs and the clouds and everything, all of a sudden, I was able to focus on just one thing. I notice, I wonder, this reminds me of. And by doing that, that was my way in. And so a lot of times that's the framework that I've started using with clients and with some of my students, right? So I notice. So our customer satisfaction numbers are higher in June and July. I notice that. I'm looking. I wonder, what are we doing differently in those months? This reminds me of something that my colleague over at the credit union said was happening with their customer satisfaction numbers. What was that again? And, and you're off to the races. It doesn't need to be more complicated than that. It doesn't need to be rocket science. I firmly believe that Tom, it can be sometimes it's fun if it is, but it certainly doesn't have to be at all.
1: That's a, that's a great, great analogy. So I'm sure you've done this research. Um, just like a more diverse management team, a more diverse board um, brings, you know, uh, better product profitability for the corporation. Mm -hmm. Um, What's the data on, no pun intended, being a data-driven organization, and do those firms do better in terms of profitability and productivity?
2: Yeah, there's definitely studies that have shown this. There's studies in the academic literature. There's also studies that McKinsey and company have done. And they've been looking at these for several years. And the way that they look at companies is they look at high performers. And there they do use um, metrics like their averages over three years, um, that sort of thing. Um, And then what they call the laggards or the low performers. And they say, okay, as far as how they use data, are there any differences between the high performers who have consistently three year growth patterns that are increasing? and the laggards that don't. And yeah, they find definitely, I mean, some of the things are there is someone in the top leadership circle who is specifically tasked with a data leader. Another is that data is accessible to all the frontline workers, however you, however you define that. Um, hiring criteria for uh, different positions, all of them, Say something about having some familiarity with data, um, and at the high performers, they also consistently find that employees are better educated on data concepts. So again, getting back to that data literacy.
1: You've made a couple of good points there, because I um, well the whole the whole the whole show has been awesome, but the accessibility too, because that's that's where we were. A little bit dinged on our baldridge you know feedback report is we have we have all this data but you know i mean candidly and this is changing based on the feedback but there would be times where we would have to do a little bit of a a team huddle to it to to extract it and Mm -hmm. i think you can't be um you can't be as efficient i mean you can still be as effective in the long run but you can't be as efficient if every time you need some strategic data that it requires an ad hoc report developed, or um, or a group huddle to kind of you know you know piece it all together. I really like that. I also uh, I just made a note to myself here that regardless you know of the position in the company that uh, that in the position description and the professional description of the job that that you know the data is is put there. So whether You know, Whether you're in support services, which is our version of the mailroom, or whether you're in customer service, or whether you're in our actuarial group, I mean, data is part and parcel. So, um, obviously, um, metrics is a hot topic in uh, 30 to 45 seconds. What does this new year hold for JLA analytics?
2: A lot. (laughs) A lot, <laughs> a lot. You should look over here on my wall at my 12-month calendar. Um, I see a lot of it, books, too. <laughs> those, yes, lots of books, lots of books. Um, it holds a lot more getting out there and talking, talking to people, really trying to break down that barrier, almost that cultural barrier with looking at numbers, being uh, looking at data and not understanding that, we're not talking here about big data in capital letters. You don't have to do ginormous machine learning or anything in order to have enough data to be looking at. You don't need to have a team of data scientists. There's basic ideas of counting percentages, basic data literacy, and you would be surprised at just how powerful that is. So actually Mm -hmm. I'm probably going to be um, mentioning to you in a couple of weeks that um, I'm starting up a podcast myself to get this out more. So it's up with the gods of Apple and Spotify being approved right now. So well, have um, me yeah. on as
1: a guest because I basically can sing your praises of the profitability and productivity. And again, it ties in nicely with Baldridge and You know i'm i'm the chair of the local Waldridge organization so i think uh this is the area where i think new hampshire has a lot of great companies a lot of best companies in new hampshire but in terms of analytics i think this is where we can all grow so dr julie thank you for being so prepared not unexpectedly (laughs) jlaanalytics.com jay
0: yes Thank you to Dr. Julie Ailig, JLAAnalytics.com, as Tom had mentioned. For Dr. Julie Ailig and Tom Raffio, I am J-Dog. Another edition of Northeast Delta Dental is coming to a close. Fear not. We'll have another edition of Northeast Delta Dental coming up on The Pulse of New Hampshire. Later.